Alhamdulillah Wassalatu wassalam ala Rasulillah All praises due to Allah and may Allah's peace and blessings be on the last messenger of Allah This afternoon as you have been informed the topic is the true Muslim student The fact that it is called the true Muslim student implies that there is a fake Muslim student out there. Right? So, who is the true Muslim student? And who is the fake Muslim student? The fake Muslim student is one who is a student first. He or she is a student first and foremost. The fact that they are Muslim is irrelevant. They could have been Christian, Buddhist, Hindu, or atheist, not even believing in God at all. One who is fundamentally a student. And in our times, with the globalized idea of being a student in order for one to achieve material goals, this becomes the main focus. So if you are asked, why are you a student? Well, it's because I want to complete my education in order to get a job which will get me so much money, a nice house, a car, something like that. I want a nice life for myself, material life. That is the focus of the student. So he or she commonly will choose the subjects that they will do their higher studies in based on which one makes the most money. If you are a doctor, well, doctors make a lot of money. If you're only a teacher, teachers don't make so much money. So you will prefer to be a doctor simply because it gets you more money. That type of a student, one whose goals are material, money, wealth, possessions. That type of a student will do anything in order to achieve that goal. Anything. And so, he or she falls under the general heading of students around the world 
who are noted for one particular characteristic today. They're noted for a common characteristic found all over the world among students. Anybody know what that characteristic is? Hmm? Nobody? Well, the common characteristic is cheating. Yeah? Students all over the world, they're known for cheating. They have developed all kinds of ways and devices, etc., in order to cheat. Because if you cheat, then you can get top marks without making top effort. So cheating is widespread amongst students all over the world. A few years back in Bangladesh, when the government Ministry of Education changed the system of examination in such a way that it would prevent students from cheating. They made some changes in the examination procedures so that students in Bangladesh would not be able to cheat as they did previously. What happened was that students, led by their student organizations, rioted in the streets. They made demonstrations, markings in the streets, marching in the streets, demanding the right to cheat. Bangladesh is a Muslim country, majority Muslim country. Over a hundred million citizens. And these Muslim students, most of them are Muslims, rioted in the streets to cheat. So, this is the consequence when one is not Muslim first. The true Muslim student is Muslim first. He or she considers everything from an Islamic perspective, from the perspective of being a Muslim, that a Muslim has a particular way at looking at everything. It may be shared by other communities, other religions, etc. I'm not saying that everything in Islam is totally different from everything else, but as a Muslim, 
Muslims have a particular way of looking at this world. It has a spe- its own world view. So the Muslim student could never have engaged in demonstrating for the right to cheat because Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam had said man ghashana falaysa minna whoever cheats is not a true muslim whoever cheats is not a true muslim this is the sign of a fake muslim so the muslim student has this other perspective that perspective begins with the view that he or she holds regarding study in general in islam study is worship it's a form of worship as a student you are engaged in ibadah you're engaged in worship of god by being a student and just as any other act of worship requires has certain conditions that you must fulfill being a student is no different so the muslim student is muslim first and foremost he or she could have been a teacher could have been a doctor a carpenter a garbage collector could have been anything taxi driver bus driver anything because they are muslims first they are muslims first so in this view of study of seeking knowledge being ibadah it is not just my opinion it's not something i'm saying for myself because of course you know in islam whenever we make a claim with regards to the religion we must have proof for it we can't just say anything we like anything we feel so if we look back in the sunna the way of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam we find that he said talabul ilmi faridha ala kulli muslim seeking knowledge is farida what is farida huh farida obligatory yes from fard it is an obligation not just an obligation but a religious obligation 
on every Muslim. Whether male or female, it is a religious obligation. So whatever is a religious obligation, to fulfill it is ibadah, is worship, of course. Furthermore, Prophet Muhammad had said, مَنْ سَلَكَ طَرِيقًا يَلْتَمِسُ فِيهِ عِلْمًا سَحَّلَ اللَّهُ لَهُ طَرِيقًا إِلَى الْجَنَّةِ Whoever takes a path in which he or she seeks knowledge, Allah makes the path to paradise easy for them. And whatever gets you to paradise is a part of ibadah. It is ibadah. It is the worship of Allah which will take you ultimately to paradise. So that's why we say, you as students have to consider your period of studentship, while you are a student, you have to consider this period a period of ibadah, of worshiping Allah. And all of the conditions that are connected to ibadah, we have to keep them in mind as we pass through this period as a student. And there are many other statements of the Prophet ﷺ supporting this further and further. But I will move on to another point, which is that we should look at knowledge as a gift from Allah. We know it is stated in the Quran, وَعَلَّمَ آدَمَ الْأَسْمَاءَ كُلَّهَا Allah taught Adam the names of everything. The foundation by which we are able to name things and categorize them so we can build on the knowledge with further knowledge this is a gift from God. It separates us from the other creatures. One of the factors which separates us and gives us superiority as well as control over the rest of the creatures. So, when we approach this gift of knowledge, as we are in school here studying, we have to, as Muslims, keep certain principles in mind. First and foremost, we have to be able to distinguish between true and false knowledge. Because there are people promoting in this world some knowledge which is false. And that knowledge, of course, leads to misguidance. So, 
as we approach our studies, we should be consciously trying to distinguish between what in fact is true knowledge and what in fact is false. For example, one of the concepts which are part and parcel of false knowledge is the categorization of human being into different races. For example, categorization of people into different races. This came about at a particular point in time and had its own agenda behind it. But as Muslims, we recognize all human beings belong to one race, the race of humankind. That's it. But in books you will find statements that such and such people are Mongoloid race, Caucasoid race, Negroid race, etc. But we don't recognize this. This is false. This is a false categorization and classification. We are one race of humankind. And Allah left signs for us to know that. Because if one, if a person from Northern Europe, white as white, blonde hair, blue eyes, that person had a positive blood. And the rest of the family had O or whatever. And they were in need of a blood transfusion to save their lives. Their own family, born of the same parents, etc., could not save their lives with their own blood. But somebody from Africa who was black, black hair, dark brown eyes, the total opposite end of the spectrum. He has A plus blood. His blood can save that northern European what is that? What does it mean? It means he is closer to that person than his own family. So we're all one family. So this idea of races is false. So we have to be conscious. Because there are things which have become accepted. People have passed them off as facts when they, in fact, are ideas, theories, etc., which, when tested, don't pass the test. So after distinguishing between true and false knowledge, 
we have to also distinguish between useful and useless knowledge. There is some knowledge out there which is true, but it's useless. It is of no real benefit. Or there are other areas of priority that when you're seeking knowledge you should focus on. For example, the search for extraterrestrial life. Spending millions and billions to put rocket ships on Mars. To find out the composition of dirt on Mars. When in the same country where these rocket ships have been sent from, there are millions of people who are homeless, living in the street. So in that circumstance, we have to say, the knowledge of the composition of dirt on Mars, or Venus, or the moon, is useless knowledge. We have situations on earth here, that that money could be better spent on alleviating the suffering, the difficulties of our fellow human beings here. So, as a Muslim student, choosing the areas where he or she is going to study, you would then make that distinction. That area of study, what am I going to get out of it? What is there coming out of it in, that will benefit humankind. If we can't see it, then it's better to go into an area where in fact you can benefit others. And Prophet Muhammad, may God's peace and blessings be upon him, used to make the dua, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min ilmin, La yanfa. O Allah, I seek refuge in you from knowledge which is of no benefit. Useless knowledge. So the Muslim student, see, he has these other considerations. He does not function on the concept of knowledge for the sake of knowledge. This is something you will hear coming out of Western uh, globalized uh, knowledge systems, knowledge for the sake of knowledge. No, that is not the Islamic approach. It has never been. It has always been knowledge for the benefit of that knowledge. So this distinction has to be made. And furthermore, even when we choose the useful knowledge, as Muslims, we have to consider, is this knowledge appropriate knowledge? Because you have useful knowledge, 
But some of it is not appropriate. Based on Muslim or Islamic criteria, Islamic understandings. For example, if one of you told me, young man, I want to be a doctor. No. Studying medicine, useful knowledge, beneficial. Okay? So what area of knowledge are you planning to specialize in? So you tell me, gynecology. I say, no, 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 no. no. That's not appropriate for you. That's not appropriate area for you to specialize in as a male Muslim. Any doctor is given knowledge of gynecology. So in cases of emergency, you can handle those situations. But to go and specialize in gynecology as a male, Everybody knows what gynecology is? Huh? Anybody has any doubts about what gynecology is? Huh? Right? We know in our society, in Islam, Islam teaches women to cover themselves up. In gynecology, the doctor instructs the woman to unclothe herself, take her clothes off. So it is not appropriate for a Muslim man to be working as a gynecologist. That's his job. That's for the women. If the women said, we want to be doctors, say, ahlan wa sahlan. Want to be a gynecologist? Do it. We need gynecologists. Female gynecologists. Okay? You understand this idea? Huh? This is a consideration. You know, you see, if you're just a student, you're not a Muslim student, just a student, then it doesn't matter. Because for you, you're going to say, gynecology gets me the most money, so I'm going to be a gynecologist. See, you have a different consideration. Similarly, on the women's side, you know, if a woman said, listen, I want to be a doctor, but I want to specialize in prostate cancer. Now, you might not know what prostate cancer is about. But basically, it has to do with male private parts. So we say, that's not appropriate for you, sister. <laughs> don't, don't, don't get into that one, okay? You as a doctor, again, you will have some general knowledge about it, basic knowledge, but don't specialize in that area. Leave that for the men. Okay? Similarly, huh? you understand? This is the idea. We have to be conscious. Not just anything goes. Right? So, as a Muslim student, we have to be clear on our goals. As we said, it was knowledge for the sake of its application. How can it be applied? How will it benefit people? Because as the Prophet ﷺ said, خَيْرُ النَّاسِ أَنْفَعُهُمْ لِلنَّاسِ The best of people, best of human beings, are those most beneficial to other human beings. 
خَيْرُكُمْ مَنْ تَعَلَّمَ الْقُرْآنَ وَعَلَّمَ Best of you are those who learn the Qur'an and teach it to others. Not just those who learn the Qur'an. And learning the Qur'an again, sometimes people misunderstand this statement of the Prophet Muhammad It just doesn't mean memorizing the Qur'an. Because that's what a lot of people think. Those who memorize the Qur'an and teach others to memorize are the best. No. It's those who learn the Qur'an. And there's a difference between learning and memorizing. Memorizing can help you to learn. But it's not the same as learning. Because you can memorize the whole Qur'an and not understand a single word in it. What's the point? What is the point? For you that Qur'an has become useless knowledge. So it is very important, those of you that may be engaged in memorization programs, to know that the goal is to understand the Qur'an. To learn it means to understand it, memorize it, that's part of the learning process, and be able to apply it. That's the goal. It's not just to have the verses in your head. And there's a very famous statement of... Um, Ibn Mas'ud, one of the companions of the Prophet, in this regard, in which he said, we used to learn 10 verses of the Qur'an at a time. And we didn't move on to another 10 until we understood what were in those 10, and we tried to implement it. That's how they learned the Qur'an. And the mother of a famous scholar of the 10th century, Sufyan al-Thawri, he narrated that his mother had said to him when he set out at 14 years old, he set out to go and seek knowledge as a student. He set out to go and find a teacher and sit under him and learn. She said to him, son, if you write 10 words and your faith has not increased, then check yourself. Check your intentions. What are you doing? Why are you doing it? So, knowledge ultimately should increase us in Iman, in our faith. Because all of the knowledge, which is true knowledge, ultimately comes from Allah, as we said. In terms of the method of the true Muslim student, it is based on hard work. Making one's maximum effort at studying. It is not, as some students ask me when I visit various institutions around examination time, they ask me, Dr. Bilal, can you teach us a dua to make sure we'll pass? Can you teach us a supplication, a special supplication? You say to God, and when you say it, you pass. I tell them, no, 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 no. There's no such dua. There's no such supplication. This is not the way. It's not, Islam is not uh, like magic 
you know, abracadabra, you say this special word and things happen. Open sesame and the cave opens. No, 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 no. Islam is very real, deals with practical life. So it's about making your maximum effort. As the Prophet ﷺ said, إِنَّ اللَّهِ يُحِبُّ مِنْ أَحَدِكُمْ إِذَا عَمِلَ عَمَلًا and يُتْقِنَا Allah loves from each and every one of you. Whenever you do anything, you do it to the best of your ability. It's hard work. You do the best. And you're honest. You don't cheat. Even if your best friend asks you to help, it's not help, it's cheating. No matter what name you call it, it's still cheating. And it's not allowed. You do your best. You don't cheat others. You don't help others cheat. In fact, if you know of students cheating, it is your duty. Though people might say you're a snitch. It is your duty before Allah. After telling them not to, if they persist, to inform your teachers, your administrators, to stop it. If you know that other students are cheating, for you to just ignore it and say, okay, I'm not going to cheat, but I'm not going to say anything. No. Your silence is support. It is support. So it's not permissible for you to allow cheating to take place. You work hard, you do your best, you're honest, you respect your teachers. This is one of the principles that the Prophet, may God's peace and blessing be upon him, taught us. That those who don't respect their teachers, it's not, again, true Muslims. If you don't respect your teachers, you can't learn from them. You can't really learn from them. So respect given to your teachers is part of your ibadah. Respecting them for the knowledge that God has given them. And as I said, as a student, you have to be open-minded. So that you'll be able to make those distinctions I spoke about earlier. And then finally, as a student, you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility. A responsibility, first and foremost, to use your knowledge in a way which is pleasing to Allah. Use it in a way which is pleasing to Allah. To be able to do that, you must have knowledge of what is pleasing to Allah. So it is not enough just to major in biology or physics or maths or whatever. You need to also know your deen. You need to know Islam. So that that knowledge that you gain, you will be able to use it in a way which is pleasing to Allah. As long as you use it in a way which is pleasing to Allah, then it is ibadah. So your work after graduating, your work in the world becomes 
another aspect of worshiping God. If what you do is pleasing to Allah, then it is worship. That's one of the definitions of worship. Doing what is pleasing to God. And avoiding what is displeasing to God. This is worship. Secondly, of course, you seek to work to also benefit yourself. I'm not saying you should cancel that. That's not important anymore. Sure, it should benefit yourself too. But benefit yourself again in a halal way. Benefit yourself in a halal way. You have to be able to distinguish between halal and haram. What is permissible and what is forbidden. So that you benefit yourself, but you do so again in a way which is Islamic. Thirdly, you have a duty to benefit society. Because the opportunity you have to study here, for example, and this school is noted for its great results. You all are distinguished amongst high school graduates in the country, in this part of the country. This is the reputation that the school has, is it not? Or am I mistaken? It's true. Okay. So, then, this opportunity that you have is a blessing from God, from Allah. It is an opportunity which others don't have. It is an opportunity which others don't have. You didn't choose which family you were born in. Right? When the angel took your spirit from the barzakh and placed it in the fetus, you didn't have any choice. You didn't say, oh no, I want to be in the, that one. You couldn't. You were not able. So this was God's decision. This is Allah's destiny, which has put you where you are. In the family you were in, in the uh, school that you got into, with the teachers that you have, the opportunities that you have here, this is all from Allah's destiny. So, we have to recognize our duty to the community that produced us. From our parents, to our neighbors, to the community as a whole. We are a product of that community. And we owe something to them. So, when you graduate and you start to work, what you should do is to give some of your time freely back to the community. On your own. Maybe through an organization, however. But to give some of your time back to the community. 
This is how you give thanks to Allah for the gift that He has given you to be here. You share some of your knowledge, your skills with the community without any charge. Sadaqah. We know this. Charity. That we be charitable back to our community. And then, finally, the last requirement is that we convey the knowledge that we learn to others. We don't hide it, keep it to ourselves, don't make others aware of it. Why? Because then they will compete with us. You know, this is not the Islamic way. You gain knowledge, you share that knowledge. You strive to share that knowledge. And that's why I would advise you, all of you here, when you go into studies, shoot for the top. Try to be experts. Don't just think, okay, I'm just going to go and get my basic degree and get out and work. If you can, if the opportunity is there, go all the way to the top. Get a PhD. Get a specialization in medicine. Whatever field. Be the top. Why? Because if you are at the top, then you can change things. You can improve things much better than when you're at the bottom. When you're at the bottom, you just do what you're told. You come in, you work, you're under people who are at the top. They are the ones who set up the systems and you just work in the system. So my advice to you is strive to complete your education as far as humanly possible so that you can change things, improve things. You know in the society there's so many things which are not right. There are deficiencies around in the society. How do we correct them? How do we change them? By applying that knowledge, passing on that knowledge that we would get from being at the top to be able to change things. So, just coming back to where we began, <clears throat> we said there are two types of students. In Arabic, it's called Taliban. But we're not talking about Afghanistan. Right? <laughs> huh? One student, a Talib, who is a student who happens to be a Muslim. And the other is a Muslim who happens to be a student. These are the two. You have to decide who you are, who you want to be. And I hope that you will decide to be Muslims who happen to be students. But as Muslims who happen to be students, you will do your best. You will do your best 
knowing that in doing your best, you are worshipping Allah in the best way that you can as a student. Barakallahu feekum. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.